So I just finished listening to the podcast by Joe Rogan, where he interviews Park Yan Mi. And this is the part of Joe Rogan that I like, right? Is he interviews a lot of different people with a lot of different, he's got a wide range of guests from all sorts of backgrounds. And uh, this person in particular was a North Korean citizen. She defected. Uh, she first crossed the border to China. And, you know, her during the interview, she talks about the hardships and the cruelty that she suffered in North Korea and in China. I think she eventually made her way to Mongolia and before immigrating to the U.S. And it's a great interview. A lot of really good information. Um, but you know, I always, <laughs> I always feel <sighs> there's always this inevitable um, sort of undercurrent, right? He starts talking, they, they talk about communist North Korea, communist China. And I, I just cringe. I cringe. Not, not even so much at that, right? Because they call themselves communist. Okay, fair enough. But to refer to them as Marxist? And, and I just have to... I have to question, has Joe Rogan ever read a word of Marx? Uh, Miss Park, has she ever read a word of Marx? For that matter, <laughs> the leaders of North Korea, did they ever read a, a word of Marx? You know, one of the problems that we have, particularly in American society, is... The leadership, the people that actually run our society, you know, the top 1%, they've so thoroughly demonized socialism and, and Marx that it's just an article of faith now. No one actually actually reads Karl Marx. It's just an article of faith that, oh yeah, Karl Marx is he's authoritarian he doesn't believe in freedom and and I grew up with this idea because you're sort of indoctrinated into that um, and it wasn't until I was an adult and was reading this stuff for myself where I started to say wait a minute Karl Marx doesn't say, he doesn't advocate for authoritarianism. Um, as a matter of fact, he's a staunch advocate for democracy. And, you know, and people will say, well, he doesn't believe in, in, in individual rights. That's not true. That's not true at all. Well, he doesn't believe in private property. That's not true either. <laughs> Um, you know, part of the problem is that, and I'll admit this, reading the writings of Marx 
can be a chore. Um, and, you know, sometimes he uses some very unfortunate language. You know, when he talks about the workers controlling the means of production, he's using language that if you if you were to just pull out, you know, a random quote, it might actually look like he's advocating against private property, right? But it's not. He's advocating for the ownership of the means of production, right? That's kind of what he's calling private property. And for workers to um, receive the fruits of their labor. Well, how can you receive the fruits of your labor if you don't believe in private property? It doesn't make sense. And indeed, you know, if, if you read enough of Marx, then he actually clearly states that workers um, should receive the fruits of the labor, their private property, right? You know, and, and I, I guess the, the biggest reason why this bugs me is because, number one, it's dishonest, right? That, that's... You'll see videos of someone like Jordan Peterson, and he'll be saying, you know, <laughs> he's, he's got videos where he's saying that thing, just stupid things like postmodernism is an extension of Marxism. No, it's not. Uh, postmodern thinking is an extension of Marcus, Marxism, really? Postmodernism that thinks that there is no objective reality, that there is no such thing as history, um, which contradicts Marxism. Marxism doesn't believe that. Um, Marxism believes in history. It believes in progress. It believes that we're making progress. And indeed, the capitalist era is a step on that path towards ultimate human liberation. You know, it's it's not it's not the end, it's a step on the path. I, I don't know how you can read Marx and not get that. Like he's pretty clear about that. You know, Marx marveled at the productive capacity of capitalism the innovative capacity of capitalism, right? I mean, it's, it's all there. It's not, it's not a secret. But, you know, you've got someone like Jordan Peterson that doesn't fucking read Marx. Um, or he'll, I don't know, cherry pick quotations. Um... And then that's that's the end. I mean, anyone can do that. That's not very impressive. And you're not really showing that you have a, a deep understanding of what he's actually saying. Marx used to write columns for newspapers in New York where he he would argue against slavery. You're telling me he's he's for authoritarianism, and at the same time he's writing these impassioned articles against slavery. 
I mean, the whole thesis of Marxism is to empower workers. Because in his mind, workers are being exploited and dominated by a tiny percentage of the ruling class, the capitalist class. Is he wrong about that? We can look at today in America and the enormous inequity, right? The imbalance between the top 1% and everybody else was, this is what Marx was talking about. Was he wrong? I mean, we have evidence to the contrary. We have evidence that confirms exactly what he's talking about. And so Marx is wanting to empower workers and that's, that's a bad thing. And as far as all these authoritarian regimes that co-opt the language of socialism, is it really that mysterious why they do that? This is what populists do, right? They co-opt language that sort of galvanizes the working class, the, the mass of people, which are working class people or poor. It's the same reason why the Nazi party has the word socialist, right? Well, okay, wait a minute. So if the Nazis are socialist, why are they diametrically opposed to communism? Why were the Soviet communists their sworn enemy? In what way was the, the Nazi party socialist? It's just bullshit, right? I mean, they're co-opting, they're clearly co-opting the language of the working class in order to endear themselves to the working class. This is populism. This is how it works. When Donald Trump gets up and starts talking about, you know, how the working class in America have been screwed by globalism and offshoring, do you think Donald Trump actually gives a shit? No. But again, he's co-opting language. He's telling people what they want to hear. He doesn't have a plan to actually do anything about that. Right? But this is what populists do. You know, in North Korea, in what way is the North Korean economic system socialist? In what way does the North Korean government empower workers? They don't even have markets. Oh. Marx doesn't believe in markets? Really? Explain to me how markets stand in opposition to socialism. You know, people have this mistaken notion that markets are a feature, exclusive feature of capitalism. That's not true. Have we forgotten that we had slave markets here in the U.S.? Slavery is an, is an economic system. Have we forgotten that? Feudalism had markets. 
Markets are not exclusive to capitalism. And having a market-based economy in no way contradicts socialism or a socialist economy. Now, if, if you want to say that you oppose socialism, okay. So what is it that you oppose exactly? Because socialism isn't some sort of monolithic thing. I mean, it's really best understood. If you're going to generalize, you would say, okay, socialism is about empowering workers, ending their exploitation, and enabling them, empowering them to benefit from the fruits of their labor. But if you were also to think of socialism as a set of policy prescriptions, Okay, well, if you don't like socialism, then I guess you don't like the 40-hour work week because that's a socialist policy. I guess you like child labor because ending that, that was socialist. Uh, the minimum wage. Well, there are, <laughs> there are plenty of conservatives who do oppose it, of course. But most working class people, they don't oppose it. Social Security, socialist policy. Medicare, socialist policy. How about subsidies to farm workers? That's a socialist policy. So when Donald Trump was subsidizing farmers, like soybean farmers, that were being hurt by his tariff war with China, well, Donald Trump was engaging in socialism. <laughs> um, you can point to North Korea, Cuba, the fall of the Soviet Union. I mean, you can point to these places as an indictment against the efficacy of socialism if you want to. But then you're going to have to explain in what ways were they socialist. Explain that to me. Because when I see economists talk about the Soviet Union, they describe it in terms like state capitalism. You know, in what ways did the workers of the Soviet Union control the means of production? Collectivism? Yeah, that was a state enterprise. The, the famine that killed millions of people in Ukraine. Why was that? Well, it was because they didn't actually control the crops that they were harvesting. The government was. They were using the proceeds from selling that, exporting that, to fuel their industrialization and their militarization. <laughs> I can't speak to that for some reason. And it's for this reason why 
that the Soviet economic system is re referred to as state capitalism and not socialist. You know, we, we've become so stupid that all you got to do is call yourself a communist or a socialist, apparently. You don't have to actually implement any socialist policies. Just call yourself socialist. And all of a sudden, everything bad that happens, it's got to be because socialism. What about capitalism? What about authoritarian societies that their economic system was based on capitalism? Right now, China is a pretty good example of an authoritarian society that has a capitalist economic system. What about Pinochet in Chile? What about Hitler's Germany? What about Mussolini in Italy? What about America at its founding? What about the economic system of slavery that was embedded in our so-called capitalist utopia? What about that? You know, in, in the interview with Joe Rogan, Ms. Park says that the mythology of the Kim family is a plagiarism of Christianity. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So should we blame Christianity for North Korea? Why not? It makes about as much sense as blaming socialism. You know, at some point, people are going to have to start or let's put it this way. It would be nice <laughs> if people actually knew what the fuck they were talking about before they opened their mouths. Like, that would be nice. And again, if you read Marx and you still think this is the wrong way to go, I've got no problem with that. I'm not a Marxist. I'm not a socialist. I don't I don't subscribe to any ideology. I believe in using whatever policy works to bring about the most, uh, whatever can contribute to human flourishing for the greatest number of people. Right? Respecting the individual, but also recognizing that the collective does matter. I'm not saying that it supersedes the individual. I mean, society is a series of compromises between individual rights and the collective. 
And so, you know, if a policy comes from a libertarian, if it comes from a capitalist, if it comes from a socialist, I don't give a fuck. Is this policy going to help people? Not just the 1%, but the great mass of people who live day to day in poverty or working their ass off. Is it going to help them have a better life? If so, I don't care what you call it. Doesn't matter to me. You, we've got to get out of this ideological mindset because it's a straitjacket. It impedes progress. It constrains. As soon as you subscribe to an ideology, you've, you've basically obligated yourself to certain principles. You have to then defend that ideology. Even if it no longer makes sense. Even in areas where it's clearly wrong and it's clearly not helpful. I see this all the time from American conservatives. Whatever you want to say about socialism, at, at least it's a useful tool for analyzing capitalism and seeing its weaknesses. I mean, unless you believe that capitalism is perfect and that there are no weaknesses, and if that's the case, well then explain to me the enormous amount of waste and pollution that capitalism generates, the inequity that capitalism generates, explain those things if it's perfect. I'm not suggesting that it necessarily has to be abandoned or that everyone has to agree that it should be abandoned. Maybe there's a way to modify capitalism. I, I think that's possible. I think there's some sort of a hybrid system between capitalism and socialism is possible. And indeed, if we look around the world today, particularly at countries in Europe, and even here in the U.S., it's obviously possible because, again, as I articulated earlier, we have a lot of socialist policies for such a capitalist nation. You know, so, again, I, I just, we, we need more education, not less. And I, and if you read and you still don't like something, well, then great. But now at least you actually know what it is you're against. And it's not just some flimsy straw man argument. Right? It's not just indoctrinated bullshit or propaganda. Right? Right? 